So we're, we're finishing up our, uh, our Acceptable Sins series. Have you guys enjoyed this series? Yeah, I've enjoyed it too. How many of you were kind of surprised at some of the things the Bible actually lists as sins, right? Cowardice, you know, who knew, right? Um, and so, so, yeah, we've been talking about the acceptable sins, the things that the church says is acceptable even though it's not. Uh, and then this, this morning we're going to be talking about worry, worry. I'm pretty sure every single one of us has dealt with worry at some point in time in our lives, right? Absolutely, of course. Well, is it really a sin, though? I mean, my gosh, that's kind of harsh, right? I mean, we, it's just natural to worry. Isn't it natural just to be a little bit anxious about your situation? When, when things change, when there's an unexpected uh, thing that happens to you. I mean, isn't it normal? It, it's normal, but it doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> there's a lot of things that are normal to us to feel. I mean, it's normal for me to get mad and want to punch the guy that just cut me off in traffic. But I can, I'm not allowed to do it. Okay? So uh, what we see, I want to show you this. Now, I'm, I'm kind of taking this verse a little bit out of context. But Romans, it actually says, uh, at Romans 14, 23, it says, Whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Now, you can read this whole chapter of Romans 14. It's actually talking about there's a big divide in the church about whether or not you could eat meat. Right? That's pretty much settled here. Okay? Y'all don't have an issue with whether or not you can eat meat. But, but back then, it was, it was a big deal, specifically meat um, sacrifice to idols. Drinking wine was an issue as well. They were trying to figure out what the limits were on that. And so Paul just talks about, hey, look, you know, um, ask God and do what he tells you to do. Be accountable to your spiritual authority and don't get in everyone else's business. And he says in the end, look, whatever is not from faith is sin. If you can't do something in faith, then don't do it. If you can't do something believing that God's going to bless it, believing that God is in it, believing that you've heard from God, don't do it, right? Everything that's not from faith. Well, let me ask you a question. Can you worry in faith? You can't. So does that make worry a sin? It does. It does. Now, when I say sin, it doesn't mean God's going to cast you down into the everlasting pit. I mean, it's not, you know what I mean? We think of sin as like, ooh, that's a sin. Look, virtually Everything done apart from God is a sin. Because at the very root of sin is our independent nature to act separate from the Lord. Okay, So don't get hung up on, oh, it's a sin, that means you're going to hell. No, 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 no. Heaven and hell has everything to do with who you know. That's Jesus. Heaven and hell has everything to do with who you know. Okay, So, so we're not talking, oh, I'm worrying, I'm going to hell. That's, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is rooting out the areas, the sin areas, the independent areas, the fear areas of our lives in order to live and move and reign in this world in the way that God has called us to. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're, we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to turn uh, to Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read... A pretty long passage of scripture. Um, it's Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And I got some highlights up on the screen behind me. If you're not following along with me, um, and, and you can just kind of look for these as they, as they come out in the text. But Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. I'm reading the New Living Translation. Follow along. If not, just listen, and, and you can listen for the highlights. It says this. This is Jesus talking, by the way. It says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at birds. 
They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, right? Have you ever seen a bird with a top hat and briefcase going off to work? No, they don't even work. But do they, are they fed? Yeah, God takes care of them, right? But your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than a bird? Yes, yes you are. Better than a bird, sweet. Verse 27, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? No. No. One version says, can it add an inch to your height? No, it can't. Verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work, right? You never see a lily going to, going to, uh, going to work. They don't make their own clothing. Yet Solomon, the richest guy on the face of the planet for all history, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Ooh. If you find your thoughts being dominated by worry then you're thinking like an unbeliever. It's a red flag for you. Hey, my mind is not renewed to the truth. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Y'all probably memorize the New King James. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This version says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Finally, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today, right? It's like he's saying, look, today is not going to be perfect. You're going to have to go through a few things today. So worrying about tomorrow, you know, that's not really going to help you out. It's just going to mess up your today. Now, this is not talking about planning. I'm not, there's wisdom in planning. And Scripture talks about, you know, the, the, the people that store up seed for, for you know, when, when there's no seed. And people that do all that kind of stuff. So, I'm not talking about planning. There's some wisdom there. But I'm talking about your thought life. See, there's a difference between opening a savings account and being fearful about your money. Right? There's a big difference between the two. Opening up a savings account is wisdom. Fretting about your money is fear. Two totally different things. Now, I, I just want to tell you a little bit about, so Jesus is talking. He is talking to people that really have it bad. We think we have it bad sometimes. And look, there's a lot of junk that's going on right now. There's plenty to worry about. And the economy's not always that great. There's, you never know what's going to happen in the Middle East. I mean, all the stuff going on with Syria, it's like a crazy you know, thing that's almost impossible to solve. You've got ISIS going around saying they want to come to, uh, to the United States, right? You've got sickness and disease, and you've got all this stuff going on, right? You turn on the news, and all of a sudden, the next Ebola breakout break has happened. And it's, there's plenty to be worried about, but I want to let you know real quick that when Jesus is saying not to worry, the people that he's talking to at that time lived on less than a dollar a day. Many were illiterate. There was no modern medicine like we have today. Many didn't live past their middle ages, and at the time, they were occupied by a violent pagan government. They had a lot more to worry about than you. And what's interesting is worry often 
rears its ugly head, the more that we have. Because there's more to lose. The more that you have, the more you tend to worry because you want to hold on to what you have. So I want to give you just really quickly a couple things about worry. First of all, uh, and, and, you know, I, I know some, some of you, we start talking about worry and you're worried about being worried now. Right? right? So, this is supposed to be freeing. This is going to help you, okay? But I want to let you, I want to convince you that this is something that you need to root out of your life, okay? First of all, worry is unhelpful. It's just unhelpful. I mean, it's said in the scripture, how many, can you add a year to your life? Can you add an inch to your height? Can you worry? No, it's unhelpful. You can't change the past with it. You can't affect the future with it. It's passive, not active, and it doesn't do anything positive. To worry about something that you can't change is useless. And to worry about something that you can change is stupid. Because if you can't change it, there's no point in worrying about it. And if you can change it, why would you worry? Change it. Right? It's just a useless, unhelpful thing. Here's the other thing. Worry is unreasonable. It's absolutely unreasonable. We make uh, our problems worse as we turn it over in your mind. And you know what I'm talking about. It's that mental traffic over and over and over and over. And you turn it over and over in your mind. What about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? The thing is, is that it's, it's wholly unreasonable. It's at times irrational. Most of the fears that we struggle with actually will never take place. Uh, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, in 2003 um, released um, statistics about death in the United States. Uh, 47 people died from lightning strikes in 2003. 47 people. Now, when a storm comes, you see lightning off in the distance. Woo, man, they shut down the football games, right? Everyone out of the pool, Hey, don't stand under a tree inside. Come on, come on. You get all your kids, right? Right? And because we don't want to be struck by lightning. Seems reasonable. 47 people died from lightning strikes in 2003. In the same year, 594 people, almost 600 people, died from falling out of bed. Now, when you get into bed every night, you don't think, okay, don't roll over. Don't be near the side. I'm near the side. I'm near the side. Right? You're not thinking that, are you? So even though it could be wisdom to avoid lightning strikes, it's actually a pretty, pretty irrational fear when way more people die from falling out of bed. Um, I was talking about this last night, and my, my oldest son said, yeah, you know, and there's, um, there are more, way more animals that are dangerous than sharks, and I looked it up last night. On average, a shark kills about one person a year, a bear kills about one person a year, and an alligator kills about one person a year. Those are my worst nightmares. Sharks, alligators, and bears. Oh, my, right? Those, those are the ones that we're not, we, don't, we don't want to have anything to do with, right? All right? About only, they kill about one person a year, okay? On average, cows kill 20 people a year. <laughs> so next time you eat beef, you're doing the world a service. Cows kill 20 people a year. Isn't that crazy? I mean, some of it, they're just falling on farm hands, right? I mean, it's, but, and cows are huge, huge animals. But, yeah, they kill way more people than sharks, right? You don't drive past the farm, honey, just go on. Just keep going. Don't even look over there, right? We're not worried about cows. We're worried about alligators. So, see, sometimes our worries are just so unrealistic. Earl Nightingale, um, who is a radio spokesman and a motivational speaker, he talks about something called the fog of worry. Listen to this. Uh, 
The National Bureau of Standards and Technology, which is a government agency, found that seven square blocks of fog. Okay, now imagine a downtown area much larger than Thomasville's. Seven square blocks. So that's seven this way, seven this way. So probably two and a half times the size of Thomasville's entire downtown. Okay, 100 feet deep. So fog totally covers the downtown area two and a half times the size of our downtown area. Okay, 100 feet deep. That's 10 stories high. Okay. If you were to condense all of that fog, it would fill less than one glass of water. Worry makes things look much bigger than they are. It exaggerates the problem. He actually goes on and he says that uh, people worry. Here's the breakdown of what people worry about. 40% of what they worry about are things that will never happen. 30% of things that are worried about are things that are over and in the past and can't be changed by worry anyway. Needless worries about our health equal 12%, and then petty miscellaneous worries are 10%. Real legitimate worries actually make up around 8% of all the worrying that people do. That means 92% of all worry is absolutely stupid. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? Guys, worry is unreasonable, it's just pure fog. No substance. It looks big. Wow, 100 feet tall, seven square blocks. But if you condense it, the real, it's not, it doesn't even fill up a glass of water. It doesn't even do it. See, we have, to, we have to adjust our perspective to say, okay, Lord, what is real that I could be concerned about? And if there's something you should be concerned about, then you get into action and you utilize the wisdom that the Holy Spirit has given you to fight against that thing. But everything else, we have to let go of our worry. Here's the last thing. Worry is unhealthy. It's very, very unhealthy. The human body was not made to worry. It's, it's literally, it's unnatural for our bodies. I don't have time to go into all the science behind it, but when you're under stress, your body releases something called cortisol. It causes inflammation all throughout your joints, all throughout your muscles, all throughout your body. It creates uh, negative effects. And over time, headaches, ulcers, insomnia, high blood pressure, Backaches, all of these have been linked scientifically to worry. To worry. It's, it's absolutely holy and totally unhealthy for us to do. So, how do we win against worry? How do we win against worry? Well, let's look at some reasons. First of all, you have to consider your soul food. Consider your soul food. Now, I don't mean soul food as comfort food that you go eat when you're having a bad day, right? What I'm talking about with soul food is that everything that you see in here is soaked up by your heart. Everything that you come in contact with, every conversation that you have, every, um, every TV program that you watch, it all, it, all, um, it all is soaked up by your heart. And is assimilated into your thought processes. That's why it's really careful what we listen to, what we watch. You are feeding your soul with everything that you take in. Okay? Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. Okay. So if it's above all else, it means that there's nothing else above it, right? One of the number one things that you, Christian, have been called to do during your time here. On earth, before you go spend time with the Lord, is to guard your heart. 
Your soul is eating. What are you feeding it? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Whoa! What you feed your heart with, what you consume, it determines the course of your life. Well, I determine the course of, your, of my life. Well, you do, but you do based on what you allow to influence you. To think that you can watch something on TV and remain uninfluenced by it is a lie, and it's, it's not biblical. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I would talk to the youth, and they'd be listening to just this awful music, and I'd be like, look, let me give you some Christian alternatives. You know, this is not, this is not really what you need to be putting in your spirit. You know, this is not good. And they would say, oh, it doesn't affect me. And I'd look at them and say, you're, you're arrogant, and you're a fool. Because you think you know better than the Bible. Because the Bible explicitly says to guard your heart. Because whatever you put in there is going to come back out. And it will control your destiny. And guys, it's the same for us. We have to be aware of what our soul food is. Can I tell you just for a moment? I'm not saying don't stay out of the loop when it comes to the affairs of our nation. But the news is not an accurate representation of reality. It's not. I talked with a guy not too long ago. He, he was almost in a state of panic. He had just seen so much bad information watching the news. And it was right after a big train wreck happened and right after a, a mother had just um, abused her child. And he just saw these things on the news. And he was just really down and depressed. And I said, hey, wh- wh- wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, he was just visibly just, you know, just struggling. I was like, let's, let's think for a minute. How many trains ran today? A thousand maybe? All over the country? How many trains ran yesterday? How many trains will run tomorrow? And there's absolutely no incident whatsoever. Yet this one time this train derailed, and it caused some deaths, and it wasn't good. But that derailment is not an accurate reflection of reality. That was a one-time instance. What an accurate reflection of reality is, is all the good times that trains served people and took them from one place to another. How many mothers loved their child today? Millions, billions on the face of the planet. How many hurt their child? A a few. A few did. And it's bad and we need to take care of that. We need to help that. But that's not the norm. They don't report the norm on the news. They report abnormal activity on the news. And if all you watch is the news, then all you'll become accustomed to is abnormal activity. It's not, you don't need it, you need to watch it. It doesn't need to become your soul food. I used to watch the news a lot more. I'd watch like political commentaries. I got really mad. A lot of you, just being honest, if I can kind of just get all up in your grill, a lot of you are mad all the time because that's all you listen to. And you find out someone has a different political persuasion than you and you think they're idiots. They're not idiots. They just don't believe the same way you do. Jesus died on the cross for them too. But what you've done is that you've eaten the wrong soul food. Okay, y'all are quiet, so I'm going to move on. (laughs) See, because you will begin to worry the more you feed yourself with worry. Look, if you watch, this is so funny to me. Someone will come to me, Pastor Jamie, I'm, I'm having trouble sleeping at night. Really? Okay, well, tell me about, you know, what it's like. Well, I just... You know, I just, I'm scared. I feel like someone's outside my window every night. And I just, I have this, okay, well, tell, you, tell me, what, what do you watch on TV? Criminal Minds. Well, <laughs> that'll do it. Yep. Yep. I can watch about 10 seconds of that, and I'm like, hold me. You know, I can't handle it. 
Can't handle it. But you want, I want to watch it. I love it. It's my favorite show. That's great. But you're going to go to bed scared. That's the intent of the show is to freak you out. So when you're freaked out, don't, God, please help me. He's like, don't watch the stuff that freaks you out. Right? Okay. It's just not that. Why are my kids acting so violent? Because you let them see every single thing Hollywood markets towards kids. There's just, there's, 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 there's no thing that you deny for your child. Well, it's rated PG-13, but it's a superhero. And my kid's six, but I think he can handle it. No, he can't. You're going to be called into a parent-teacher conference because your kid's playing Spider-Man and beating the mess out of some kid on the playground. I just don't know why he's doing this. Well, maybe it's because you let him play every video game, watch every movie that he asks for, and then when he acts on it, you discipline him? What kind of message is that sending him? It's sending him the message that you don't know what you're doing. Okay. See, I tried to get off this earlier. I warned you. Okay, we're just going to go. All right. Sorry, that's a pet peeve of mine. Number two, how to fight against worry. Uh, Learn to be loved. Learn to be loved. What what does that mean? Well, let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 18 here. I love this. This is so good. It says, perfect love has no fear, or casts out fear, is what the New King James says, uh, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. Now listen to this. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If you're walking in fear, if you're walking in anxiety, you're walking in, in worry, it shows that you have not truly experienced his perfect love. Why? Because when you've experienced God's love, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of. See, so many people walk through life and they're just, they're, they're just you know, tiptoeing around. trying. I don't want to make God mad because he's going to make my house catch on fire. Or he's going to give me the flu. Or he's going to write and you're tiptoeing. Look, you don't know God. You don't know him. You don't know the word. You don't know what it says. You just know what granny taught you. Because God doesn't do that. God will use things like that. Because he's a redeemer. He'll redeem them. But the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that Jesus has come to give you life and life abundantly. That's, okay, which one is it? Is it life and life abundantly? It's the Lord. Is it stealing, killing, and destroying? Then it's the enemy. That's pretty easy, right? So, so what, if you know, if you know who, who God is, if you learn how to be loved by him, then you, don't have, you aren't worried. You aren't worried all the time because you know, hey, hey, i got a God that loves me. The guy that created everything that I can see, hear, feel, taste, and touch, he knows me and he loves me. So I'm not going to worry about this. And if something does happen, I'm going I'm to work through it. He and I are going to work through it together. But see, perfect love casts out fear. It expels it. It gets rid of it. If you're dealing with worry, seriously, some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to hear this. Listen, engage, listen. If you are dealing with worry, you have not yet fully experienced this perfect love. You need to experience that this morning. You need to experience it this morning. Amen? Amen. Oh, this is a good one. we got to learn to give up control. We have to learn to give up control. Proverbs. 
Some of you, some of you are not going to like this one. But that's okay. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do and he will show you which path to take. This is kind of a... Of all the different translations, I just read the New, the New Living Translation. It's a little soft here. Um, the NIV actually says, in all your ways, submit to him. Ooh, that's a stronger word, right, than acknowledge? Submit to him. What does that mean? Do what he says. See, when you have not given God control in your life, that means that you are holding on to control in your life, and that means you now have a right to worry. Because you aren't very good at being in control. See, control is an illusion. We think we want control, but we don't really want control. I'll give you an example. I've used this before, but imagine you're in a plane, and all of a sudden the oxygen masks come out, and all of a sudden you're in a nosedive, and everyone's freaking out. You're scared. Why? Because you're out of control. Right? But control is not what you really want. Because what if the stewardess came and said, hey, Uh, We need you to go to the cockpit and fly this plane. That's even worse. (laughs) So you don't want control. We think we want control, but control is an illusion because we're not properly equipped to govern the world. (laughs) We have to give our control to the Lord. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will tell you which way to go. Look, Look, if you submit all of your plans to the Lord, you know, then you, you don't have to worry. You can trust, well, God's leading me. And evidently, my heart's right. I, I'm not listening. I'm, I've got all the junk out of I've got all the bad soul food. I've got the good soul food. I'm listening only to him. And if he leads me down a path and it's not very comfortable, I can trust. I can trust that it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up well and it's what's best for me. But if you try to hold on to your control, well, I, got this, I don't like the way this person acts. I'm going I'm to manipulate them behind the scenes until they act the way I want them to. You're, you're going to be miserable. Miserable. Oh, are my kids going to be Christians when they grow up? Are they, uh, you're going to be so overbearing that you're going to run them away from the Lord. And you're going to think that church is the answer to their problem when Jesus is the answer to their problem. Many of y'all, were, many of y'all had a drug problem growing up. You were drugged to church. Right? Every time the doors were open. Usually what that does, unless it's accompanied by a loving, a loving parent, who teaches you the word themselves, usually what that does is it repels you from church. So there's that. <laughs> so we got to let go. <laughs> we got to let go of the control. We got to let go. Whatever issue you're dealing with, you have to let go of the control. In all your ways, submit to him. He'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you what to do, amen? All right, we're chugging along. We got two more. Y'all got, y'all got two more in you? Yeah, sweet. Get some perspective, number four. Get some perspective. Get some perspective. John 16, 33 says, In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Um, good news, bad news. <laughs> bad news first, in this world you'll have tribulation. Let me read this to you in the Amplified. It says, In the world you'll have tribulation, trials, and distress, and frustration. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. And I love this word. Be undaunted. Mm. What does that mean? It means I ain't quitting. 
right? Be undaunted. For I have overcome the world. Now listen to the definition that the Amplified puts with I have overcome the world. It says, I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Ha! I love it. Isn't that great? Look, guys, can I be honest with you? If you signed up for this Jesus thing with the idea that he's going to protect you from everything negative ever happening in your life, that's not what Christianity is. I'm sorry. Does the Lord move on your behalf? Absolutely. Does he do healing? Does he do deliverance? Does he do, does he do all these things? Absolutely. But is he your magic genie that you can rub and ask him to come out of the lamp and do whatever you want whenever you want? He is not your genie. He is Lord. He's boss. And so we need to get some perspective. You are going to go through some stuff, and that's okay, because he says, I will be with you, and I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm, and I've conquered it for you. You don't have to conquer the world. It's already been conquered. You just have to link up with the conqueror. I love this quote. Charles Schultz, who writes the Peanuts comics, he says, Don't worry about the world coming to an end today. It's already tomorrow in Australia. (laughs) Because they're 12 hours ahead. It's funny. Look, worst case scenario for the Christian, and I say this all the time. Worst case, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, here's the absolute worst thing that can happen to you. You can go to heaven and spend eternity with him. That's good news. That's good news. Look, get some perspective. I know it hurts right now. I know there are difficult situations, and I'm not saying that it's not hard. I'm just saying that it will come to an end. And that you're not alone. And that in the word of God is the wisdom that you need to overcome it. Amen? All right, last one. Pray and attach your faith. Pray and attach your faith. We're talking about winning against worry. This is the last one, number five. Pray and attach your faith. Uh, Philippians, Philippians 4, just ignore the verse that's on the PowerPoint. <laughs> that's what happens when you do your PowerPoint while watching football. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Oh, sweet, someone's changed it for me. That's kind of freaky. Thank you, Lord. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Sounds so easy to do, doesn't it? Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about anything. Oh, okay, okay. That was my problem. No. But he gives you the solution. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Verse 7. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And And his peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, Prayer, you need to understand, prayer makes things happen spiritually. It does two things. First of all, prayer makes things happen, and it refocuses us. Now, I've heard some preachers preach, well, you don't pray to change things. You pray so God can change you. Oh, that's great on the calendar, and it's somewhat true, but prayer changes things. Don't think that God's going to, I'm going to put a situation in your life so you'll pray for it. And I'm not going to change anything about that because I'm crazy evidently. But I'm going to change you through the, look, God does change you through the circumstance. But your prayer can change situations. You do have a role to play in your life. 
God's not some cosmic puppet master messing with your life and pulling the strings. Okay? Your prayer changes things, okay? And what we have to do is we have to learn when we're praying to attach our faith. What do I mean by that? I wish I had a lasso. If I had a lasso or even a life preserver, I could have shown you an example of what I mean. But when you attach your faith, because remember we said that whatever is not a faith is sin, right? That's what we started out saying. So you've got a problem in, in your life. You've got a situation. You've got a pain, a hurt, or whatever going on. There is a verse, there is a truth found in the Word of God that's going to give you the solution to that issue, okay? But it's out there. It's out there. It's out there in the world. Your, your answer is out there. So what you have to do is you have to take your faith like a lasso, right? Like a, like a, um, like, like a life preserver that you throw out and you attach it to the Word of God that speaks to your situation. And then through your prayer, you begin to pull it in. You begin to pull it in, and you attach your faith. Look, I know you're going through stuff. Attach your faith. Believe that God is moving on your behalf. Find the verse. Find the verses. Find the passages that relate to what you're going through. Attach your faith to them. Throw that lasso around the the solution to that problem. Begin to pull it in through prayer. And that's how we become victorious. That's how we become victorious in Christ. See, it's, 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 it's not just his job. So many times our prayer life is, oh, God. Help me. And you know what? There are times for that. That's okay. There are times for that. But that is the totality of your prayer life? Come on. Do you see Jesus doing that? You see him every once in a while. He broke down. He had tears. But every other time he spoke to the fig tree and said, I curse you. He spoke to the little girl and said, little girl, rise up. He spoke to the mountain, and he says, you can speak to the mountain and tell it to move, but you have to attach your faith to it. You don't beg God for it. You just, you find that verse. You attach your faith to it, and then through prayer, you begin to pull it in. Amen? Guys, you ready to get free from worry? It has no place in your life. God doesn't want it in your life. It's not helping you. Let's pray, and let's be free. Amen? Come on, let's stand.